You're listening to an Eyes on Washington podcast brought to you by Holland and Knight's Public Policy and Regulation Group. Our Public Policy and Regulation Group is a strong bipartisan team with deep ties throughout Washington, D.C. We have built a thriving government affairs practice through our depth of experience and diversity and by maintaining our bipartisan approach. Our State Attorneys General podcast series is hosted by former Deputy Attorney General of Virginia and Presidential Appointee at the U.S. Department of Commerce, Stephen Cobb. Through conversations with State Attorneys General, this series will dive into the importance and growing role of State Attorneys General while hearing firsthand on what they are working to accomplish in their communities. Welcome back to another installment of Holland and Knight's Eyes on Washington podcast series. My name is Stephen Cobb, and I'm going to be chatting with you in our installment of Conversations with State Attorneys General. Um, I am a former Deputy Attorney General in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and I'm a partner in our Public Policy and Regulatory Division. And so we're super excited to have with us today the Attorney General of Vermont, T.J. Donovan, and the Chief Deputy Attorney General of the great state of New Mexico, Tanya Maestas. It's great to have you both with us on the podcast, chat a little bit about state AGs and everything that, that you've been up to. I'm, I'm particularly excited to have you both here because almost two years to the month when I was still serving in the Commonwealth of Virginia, the three of us were on a panel on National Privacy Day talking about the role of state AGs and the, play, and the role they play as it deals with data privacy. And so when I was thinking of who to get together to talk about this increasingly important subject. I thought, well, let's get the band back together. Uh, Let's have a chat. Let's see maybe a little bit of what has changed and what has stayed the same since we did that um, conversation, I guess it was two years ago now. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, Thank you for being here. And I was hoping that you might be able to first introduce yourselves to our listeners a little bit, maybe give a little bit of your bio and how you got to the positions that you're in. Uh, my name is TJ Donovan. I'm the Vermont Attorney General. Uh, I've been the Attorney General for uh, now in my third term, uh, which seems a lot longer than it actually is because in Vermont we actually have two-year terms. Uh, so I think Vermont and New Hampshire are the only uh, state that has two-year terms. Uh, prior to that, I was a uh, uh, state's attorney for Chittenden County, which is the largest county in Vermont. Uh, state We call them state's attorneys up here, a, a DA probably uh, in many other jurisdictions. Uh, And the issue of privacy has something that I've always been interested about and really is is a ingrained value um, in in Vermont. It's really part of our our DNA. Uh, We truly value privacy. And I think the question that we're all grappling with now is what does privacy look like in this online digital economy? Uh, And I'm happy to continue the conversation with, with both of you today. Thanks so much, General. Tanya, welcome. Thank you, Stephen. It's great to see you again and great to, as you said, bring the band back together. I'd love to join you all in this great conversation. Um, As Stephen said, my name is Tanya Maestas. I am the Chief Deputy at the Attorney General's Office in New Mexico. I've been with this AG's office for 15 years. I have also been with the Colorado AG's office. So really dedicated my career to public service. Um, Privacy issues being at the forefront, I'm in charge of all civil litigation at the office. And it really came to a head in about 2018, 2019, 
um, here in New Mexico. I'd love to talk more about it and to, like you said, discuss how things have changed, especially in the face of a pandemic. Data privacy is one of these issues that I think touches pretty much everyone these days. Um, I've often teased and said that um, if there's a data breach, chances are my information's been there because I think, you know, I went through a year where I got seven or eight different notices that my um, information had been compromised. And so I think it's, it's one of those issues that because it affects every citizen is really something that involves the state AGs and something where um, you continue to have a growing influence. Um, so kind of first in your individual states, can you give our listeners a little bit of maybe a background on some of the, the issues that have been prominent in the last year? And then um, I want to talk a little bit about how state AGs have worked together, both from a on a policy perspective and on an enforcement perspective. John Donovan, might you start us off about kind of the, the goings on of data privacy in Vermont? Sure. You know, as I said, Steve, and much like I'm sure in New Mexico, uh, pri privacy I think has really come to the forefront in the last couple of years, more so obviously in this last year of living uh, through a pandemic and everybody. Uh, living and working and socializing remotely and virtually. And I think when you look at the evolution of these online platforms, um, it, it really has changed in the last 15 years. I mean, I think everybody was enamored early on. Um, I think we went through a phase where people said, well, you don't really have privacy anymore. And what does that look like? And then in the last five years, I would say, uh, because of the, the states, because of AGs, uh, like my friend, General Balderas in New Mexico, uh, people have said, I've tried to carve out what privacy looks like in this digital economy. You know, one of the first things that Vermont did was to pass a data broker registry, uh, because we think from a consumer protection standpoint, and this is certainly a consumer issue, that uh, people have the right to know when their data is being bought and sold and have the option to opt out. Whether or not we ever get to opt in, I think is a conversation, uh, but to opt out on third-party data brokers. And the fact of the matter is that you just said it, Steve, that you have a data breach, your information's already out there for, for, for so many people, I think unknowingly. And so this idea that uh, there's this entire marketplace that buys and sells people's information without the consumer ever knowing is objectionable. So we passed uh, the first data broker law, I think in 2017, we raised it as part of our legislative agenda from the AG's office. In the past, uh, the legislature was signed into law and it's, it's been a good tool for us. Uh, and it isn't, it isn't a gotcha tool to go after business. We worked, we worked with the business community and said, this is how you comply. I'm a big believer in that the best way to enforce the law is to give people the opportunity to comply with it. That means outreach, that means education, that means raising awareness. From a litigation standpoint, you know, we just sued this company Clearview AI. Uh, and again, it, it was um, an issue where uh, they were screen scraping without, again, no notice to consumers, no consent, screen saving really millions of images off of social media platforms, including children. They then took those photos and they applied facial recognition software uh, to those photos and sold it to third parties. No notice, no consent from consumers. In my mind, that's unfair. 
We sued him. We were successful on a motion to dismiss. Uh, the case is still pending. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about how we're working as AGs in terms of uh, suing Google and, and Facebook on, on the antitrust. But uh, I look at this issue of the digital economy. I look at it through the lens of that consumer protection, the future of consumer protection is online. But to look back historically, uh, to look at oil, to look at when government broke up Standard Oil uh, and John D. Rockefeller, and to think about the change over 100 years, how different our policies would have been if we knew uh, the issues and the harm that came from that. And I think as we look at these companies, as we look at the issue of uh, what this data means, because it really is a commodity, that people should be protected, whether or not people should be compensated uh, for their data. Because let me tell you, we all know this. It's being traded, it's being bought and sold, so companies can make money off of consumers. The state has a role to play to protect those consumers. Now, General, did I read correctly that Vermont is um, considering further legislation on a comprehensive data privacy? Yeah, I mean, I think the models, frankly, I know Virginia just passed passed a law and, and, and California. Um, and, you know, the, the and I don't know if Virginia had this in their law, Steve, but I love the California law that has a very uh, strong declaration saying, don't sell my data on every website. I mean, to think about that to th- and to think about how empowering that is to consumers and again, philosophically and, and, and from a policy standpoint, that really is a statement uh, of intent that that data does belong to the consumer. And it's not just a commodity that's going to be, again, bought and sold on this, on this market that nobody understands or, or nobody uh, uh, sees uh, that is then where people are then directly marketed to. And so, you know, I think California and I think Virginia are two states that are really leading on this as well. And um, I would expect Vermont um, to, to, to follow there. So that's a good segue to our friends in, in New Mexico. Um, Tanya, tell me a little bit about what the last year has looked like for New Mexico on issues of data privacy and kind of where it, it, it sees that trend going. Absolutely. So in 2019, um, we, we felt we were a little behind the power curve. We, um, our Computer Crimes Act hadn't been updated since 2006. We were one of the very last states to enact a Data Breach Notification Act in 2017. So in 2019, we really came to the front and did our very best to kind of get a little more progressive and enacted a cyber crimes unit in our office. We got the full funding and expansion ability to do that without knowing that the pandemic would completely put our unit to its test. We created our cybercrime expansion unit to, again, go after data breaches and to go after data notification, privacy actions that we had brought, some civil actions, similar to what A.G. Donovan was talking about. But it was really during the pandemic where we saw such a huge uptick in internet crimes against children. We, our ICAC unit, the, um, I think it was the third month into the pandemic, the tip line was uncontrollable. We literally had to shift folks over to work our internet crimes um, hotline just because of the huge uptick in cases that were that we were handling there. So we came from a perspective of wanting to use um, some of these privacy formats like biometrics in a positive way as a law enforcement agency and then needed them 
needed the entire cyber um, crimes unit to really protect children. And it is not something that we had fully intended the unit to focus on when we're talking about privacy from a civil perspective, like our COPPA lawsuit, where we truly brought actions to protect children. Now we're bringing criminal actions under our cyber crimes unit to protect children in a completely different manner. It was very unexpected, but very welcomed that we had, I frankly, accidentally set up the framework to do it. Now there are times when y'all are working and you are, um, you know, attorneys general for your respective states, and you're dealing with state-specific issues. Be that New Mexico, be that Vermont. Um, one of the real strengths and powers that we've seen amongst state attorneys general uh, at a macro level is when you're working together in the form of uh, multi-state investigations or litigation and enforcement and data privacy, cybersecurity, this seems also like one of those areas that perhaps transcends some other um, political divides that comes across with state AGs from time to time. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you see the issue of data privacy and what it means to be working with other state attorneys general, um, whether that be on uh, you know, a national data breach or whether that means on, on pushing policy and how are you all working together or, or not on those both policy and enforcement issues? So Stephen, I think that this is such a unique area that we have the wonderful ability to work together. If something happens in terms of a data breach or privacy action, it doesn't only happen to large states. Us as a small state here in New Mexico find it very difficult many times with a lot of multi-state action because we don't have the population that would really require the attention and detail of a lead state that a lot of multi-states take. But with things like privacy actions, if it's happening in a large state like New York, it's happening in New Mexico. And the ability to work together and truly protect our consumers in those actions is so very important. Quite frankly, our, our small state couldn't, we don't have the resources and we couldn't bring the actions or couldn't really get to the heat, to the depth of the material that's necessary um, without the help of a multi-state. Yeah, I just really echo what Tanya said, Steve. Um, talking about small states, little old Vermont, um, although I'd argue we, we, we punch above our weight. Um, you know, I think you go back to the Equifax uh, data breach. That affected everybody. That affected everybody in this, in this, in this country. And I think uh, Vermont is, is very similar to New Mexico um, on these issues. You know, the first thing that we often do is try to call our sister states uh, who have a little bit more resource because we don't have uh, the resources uh, to, to undertake perhaps uh, an investigation or a case by ourselves, nor should we. And this is a bipartisan issue. Like this is a this is consumer protection 101. Uh, I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian. People care about their money. They care about their livelihood. They don't want to get ripped ripped off. And you're getting scam calls. You're getting phishing emails. You know, you're getting text messages from you don't know who. You're saying, how the heck did they get this information? Where is this coming from? And it really is. It really is anxiety provoking for so many consumers. And so it's it's a really a bipartisan issue and it's a consumer protection issue that I said, I think is really where we're gonna be as state AGs in this, in this online realm. And I can tell you, there's an issue that we're working on uh, in Vermont that uh, is in this space. And my first call was to one of my Republican colleagues 
because I think being bipartisan, which we are across the board uh, on a lot of issues, uh, is really important. And I think, you know, state AGs, uh, we certainly have our political differences, but I would argue that we work, we work pretty well together on a lot of issues. And I think data privacy is, is one of them. Absolutely. Now, uh, in prepping for our conversation today, I, I, I went back and General Donovan, I, I found an article that someone wrote about our conversation and, and they quoted you to say, as California goes, so goes the nation. And, and talking about this. And I say, as, as Vermont goes, so goes the nation. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, in particular, in reference uh, to the, the, the CCPA. Yeah. Um, you know, how have you seen the California data privacy laws and you know, regulatory rules going into effect have an impact on a national regulatory conversation? Yeah, well, I, I mean, look, that, that on, a, on a whole host of issues, that quote is, is accurate, right? I mean, California is, you know, um, what is it, as the largest, the seventh largest GDP in the world or something? I mean, you know, from a market standpoint, from a, from, from a scale standpoint, um, if you can get something done in California, obviously it's going to be a lot easier to, to get um, uh, these policies passed in, in other states. You know, it raises the issue, Steve, of, frankly, the federal government uh, and whether or not whether there's ever going to be federal legislation or rules uh, on the issue of data privacy. Um, you know, we, we're hopeful uh, that the FTC will get into this space uh, with a new administration. Um, I, I think there, there is a need for standardization and uniformity from the federal government on this uh, because you don't want a patchwork of, of different laws and regulations across the states. I, I don't think that's good for anybody, frankly. But I think, I think California has set the bar. And um, I, do, I would expect Vermont and many other states to follow their lead um, I think, you know, I'm sure it's the same in Virginia as it is in New Mexico as in Vermont. You know, our legislature's in session, but it's, this is, we're, we're focused on COVID as we should be and getting out of this crisis. And I think as we come out of this crisis, you know, people say, well, we're not going to go back to normal. I would respectfully rephrase that and say, what is the new normal? And the new normal is going to be online privacy protections. There's no question about it. After what we went through this past year um, and, what, and how, how this is now going to be part of our normal way of doing business, of masses, massive amount of, of data, it's going to be right. It has to be regulated and consumers have to be protected. Um, and so I do think that uh, people, you'll see an acceleration of states uh, follow uh, California's lead. Tanya, I want to get your thoughts here in particular, because it seems to me that logically, if we keep having a patchwork of data privacy laws, if you were a, you know, large national multinational company, you're going to look at the strictest, be that in Europe or be that any individual state, and you are going to tailor your standards to whatever the strictest is, knowing that you are then going to comply everywhere else. So is there a concern that with a patchwork of data privacy laws, you know, popping up amongst 50 states, that it hurts smaller entities more than larger because they're not able to just adapt as quickly to the most stringent standard. But if you're operating in two or three states, as opposed to 
50, that that is an extra layer of burden in that privacy process. Cybersecurity is such a rapidly moving issue that it's difficult for anyone to keep up. And that would, and I would say, including regulators. I think that um, the changing laws relating to privacy have definitely changed the way that companies do business in New Mexico and in other states. And when you have universal laws that kind of guide and assist, whether it's large scale or small scale companies in doing that, it's beneficial to all of us. So there is definite benefit in uniform legislation. However, again, because it is rapidly changing, it's, it's difficult. I'll give you an example. Here in New Mexico, we recently passed the Electronic Communication Privacy Act, and this is such a well-founded law that was intended at um, transparency of law enforcement and protecting private information of individuals who may not have been accused with a crime or who were accused with a crime. And the, the format and the premise behind the law was extremely valuable and extremely important, but the implementation of it was again something because of the quickly changing and ever moving um, facilities that are electronic communication within one year we had to amend that law because we couldn't keep up with the confidential information that was to be provided to the attorney general's office in terms of search warrants so when you're looking at something as small as that in one state where we have, I believe, 59 entities that have to provide material to us, it's, it's such a huge burden upon all of the other companies that do state, that do work in multi-states to, to keep up with the patchwork. There's not a cure for it that I can think of immediately other than communication and collaboration and to move together as we do this. It's in the benefit of the companies to work with their state regulators as much as it is for the AGs to work together and um, give good guidance on this. Yeah, Steve, I just want to I just want to really reiterate what Tanya just said. I think she's absolutely right. Um, the need for consistency and standardization in terms of laws. But there, there's a more fundamental question that I think Tanya raised was, has technology outpaced the law? Has technology outpaced the law? And I think in many instances it has. We can't go back every year and change the law and tweak it. But those fundamentals of consumer protection, uh, of that unfairness doctrine, um, I, I think is critical here. And what is, what is that interpretation uh, of unfairness in this online space, uh, in this digital economy? And I think that's the next fight that we're gonna have uh, that's the fight we're frankly having with Clearview right now in court. Um, and I think you're going to see that across the board uh, going forward um, as states continue to, I think, to, to carve out a space here. But I couldn't agree with you more from what Tanya said. And we've dealt with this in Vermont that you want to see how California does um, because you don't want to pass a law uh, that is outdated in one year. And I think technology is, can do that. So I think flexibility is key here, but going back to the fundamentals of, of what consumer protection is, and I view this as a consumer protection issue. And I, I would just add an, an anecdote. You know, we talk about California. The other thing I would say, I was lucky enough to, to go with um, the Attorney General's Alliance to, to Ireland when the GDPR was implemented. And I'll tell you what I saw over there. I saw a robust economy with very strong privacy protections. And so I don't think it's an either or. 
I, I think it's a both. Uh, we can have a strong economy, you can have economic development, and you can protect consumers uh, at the same time. And I think Tanya makes a great point of working together. When we work together, it's not just state AGs working together, it's working together with business and, and hearing their thoughts as well and carving out that space as we go forward. I want to sew a couple of these themes together, um, which is that in the, the, the CCPA, besides giving the attorney general rights enforcement, also has a private right. Um, Virginia's new uh, privacy law only allows the enforcement actions in the state AG's office. Um, obviously, I'm sure that there, there are some benefits and detractions from, from both models, but do you have a thought or preference on which is a better matter of public policy, one, um, and two, and, and General Donovan, I'm going to lay this at, at, at your feet because you talked about the, the need for a stronger national policy here. You talked about that coming from the federal government. Well, it's still at the beginning of a new presidential administration and a, a new Congress. Um, is there a role for state AGs to play in moving that conversation at a federal level? Uh, great questions. Uh, I'm totally supportive of a private right of action. Um, I think it brings accountability. Uh, into the equation, frankly. Um, and you're going to have different types of, of claims, but underlying is going to be the same policy. Um, so I do support the, the private right of action. I think you're seeing that, frankly, in like uh, Illinois, that has a very strong BIPA law uh, in terms of uh, biometric data. Uh, they have a very strong uh, private right of action law in that, and you're seeing, you're seeing lawsuits. Um, and that brings about accountability. And, and, and change that's going to affect consumers in New Mexico and it's going to affect consumers in Vermont. So I, I, I support the private right of action. Um, and I just, I, I want to say one thing too. For so long, we've talked about government and, and surveillance on this. You're now talking about a business surveillance state, right? <laughs> Where you're being tracked. I mean, it's, it, you almost sound crazy talking out loud about this stuff, but you're being tracked. We're, and then you're being marketed to and advertised to. And the real issue, and I'm so glad, again, for New Mexico's lead up, is what does this mean for kids? What does this mean for kids? What about all that information? I mean, what, what information is being sent to kids? What information about kids is being retained? You know, so we have real work in front of us about how do we protect children going forward um, not just on predators, as Tanya said, in terms of the ICAC unit, Vermont's numbers are the same. Ours are going up too, in terms of our ICAC unit, uh, but also making sure that kids are protected on uh, that information that uh, could be harmful to them is not being marketed to them or sent to them. And that gets back to this collection of the, of, of the data. And I want to make sure though, that we, that we close the loop because we, we talked about the a federal policy and the national conversation, uh, well, what role are our state AGs playing or getting will play in, the, in 2021 as, as pushing forward that discussion at the national level? Yeah, I think we'll play a major role. And I, I think, look, we, um, and I, Tanya, I, I think you're probably part of this meeting, you know, um, there's now a, a federal legislative group within, within NAG, I believe, that's meeting. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot more collabor collaboration and, and communication uh, with the federal government from state AGs. And I know this is one of the issues that we'll be talking about. Yeah, and I would also like to add on to that, that the Biden administration has expressed their um, 
involvement in this issue and, and the relevance and importance and the role that state AGs play in cybersecurity as a whole. I mean, directly as it relates back to the election. Um, these are key areas that state AGs have a unique ability and a unique authority to really be at the forefront of. Have the AGs thought to um, kind of create that dialogue also with, with industry to, to get feedback, um, or rather create a feedback loop as to kind of what areas are working, what areas are, are concerned. I remember this conversation that we had two years ago. There was there was a lot of pushback from from industry um, in, in that dialogue about notice requirements, for instance. Some have said, you know, well, if some states have 48 hours, and we don't necessarily know what's happened in 48 hours, and so we can let you know something's happened, but we can't tell you exactly what it is. And the, the pushback to that is that, well, other states have a reasonability requirement, and we so rarely ever agree with industry on their definition of reasonable. Um, and I, General Donovan, I think at the time, you, you gave an example of someone waiting, you know, six or nine months. And, you know, if there's certain a, a way to irritate a, a state attorney general's office, uh, in, in my experience, both having been in the office and outside, is sitting on something for an undue amount of time before you're, you let them know. Um, so I guess, you know, which, which begs then two questions. How, how do we bring in uh, industry to have that larger conversation with regulators? And what are some of those um, kind of best practices that we hear when we're, when we're interacting, when a problem has happened? Yeah, great question, Stephen. I think, you know, one of the things is frankly what we're doing right now, right, is having the conversation. Um, and, and look, I, I believe in a couple of things. Um, I believe in being accessible. I believe in listening to the other side. And I believe working collaboratively to solve problems. You want to, people can talk about filing lawsuits and we all do that. We'll solve the problem five years down the, down the road if we do that. And the need is the need is immediate. It's about today. So number one, having the relationships with people like you, yourself and others in this space and having these conversations and be being willing to listen. We all want a strong economy. I understand that we are in a global digital economy. I want Vermont to be successful in that. I want Vermont to be a participant in that. I also want Vermonters to be protected. And, and so how do we come together and carve out that space? You know, in Vermont, I, I'm always talking to the business community about this, and I think we do it pretty well in our respective organizations um, in, in the AG space. And I know Tanya's been a leader uh, in that, and we've certainly been on many panels, but I think, I think being willing to have the conversation like we're having today um, for you to, to say, hey, you said something on that podcast that um, caused me a little concern. Can, can, I, can I have five minutes of your time? Absolutely. I think it's the communication. I think it's the relationships. And I think it's hopefully getting back together in person and having a, a larger audience hearing this. I don't know, Tanya, if you feel the same way. Or... From your lips to God's ears, General, the, the in, in person, hopefully sooner rather than later. Tanya, tell me your thoughts. I couldn't agree with A.G. Donovan more. Right? I've spoken on this topic a number of issues, and I can't reiterate strong enough. Reach out to your local A.G.'s office. Each A.G.'s office has a, a group of individuals who are willing and, and willing to listen to you and open to any explanation that you have. A company should have no qualms in ever reaching out to their local A.G. and just explaining the process or the procedure. 
And I will say as a policy matter, especially after 2020, companies are held to a higher standard. We are in a digital age like no other. There is no basis whatsoever as to why companies cannot be held to a point where they, they should know that we are, that we are, have children online eight hours a day, that companies are working online, that state agencies are working online, that government entities have used the internet more than they ever have. So we're all in this together and we can all reach out and communicate and collaborate together. Well, my friends, I can't think of a better note to end on than Tanya's sentiment that, that we can all work together. Um, thank you so much for your time and your thoughts and, and your insight on these important topics. Um, this has been Conversations with uh, State Attorneys General on Holland and Knight's Eyes on Washington podcast series. I'm Stephen Cobb. I look forward to chatting with everyone again at a later date. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to an Eyes on Washington podcast brought to you by Holland and Knight's Public Policy and Regulation Group. For more information on our Public Policy and Regulation Group, please visit hklaw.com slash PPR.